0: Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Derek. Hello, everybody. And Garrett. Hey, everybody. And tonight we're talking
1: to Mr. Jay Beal. Hello, everyone. So tonight we're honored to have Jay Beal from the United States talking to us on Welcome to the Gun Show. He's a fellow teammate with me on Andersonshooting.com, along with Mark Sue. He's a USPSA Grandmaster and he shoots carry optics at the moment. He's featured on a few other podcasts um, like Steve Anderson's That Shooting Show, Modern Samurai Project. And now we have the honor of having him on Welcome to the Gun Show. So thank you very much for being here, Jay.
2: Thank you guys for having me, which it's a really great podcast name, you know, by starting with Welcome to the Gun Show. (laughs) Welcome to welcome to the gun show. It's perfect, uh, very cool, to
0: here, guys. I mean, yo, know, it it was a bad choice, but we weren't going to change it.
1: <laughs> you can't change it now. No, okay. you have to get all the welcomes.
2: <laughs> I feel so <laughs> welcome. Double
3: welcome. That's what we're aiming for. Right. Well, so Jay, a- why don't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with the shooting at the moment and let's see, see what you can tell us about yourself to start. Yeah, so first of all, we'll
2: we'll get it, we'll get it not out of the way, but up front, which is um just a huge thanks to to Steve Anderson um and uh all of Steve's partners as well, because they are they are indirectly our partners. So targets USA which Jason Wood over there is awesome. And, um, and then of course, like AMG. So Alex over there with AMG lab. Um, and I can't, I'm going to blank on all of them right now, but like shooting sports, sports innovations, outdoor dynamics, uh, geez. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll stop there, but all of Steve's partners are ours. You, you, You have to say hello, Tazio yes oh my gosh see The finest Hello, <laughs> he has been so awesome he um like i feel so lucky and so um, so grateful for all the kind of like the help and the opportunities that have come from that so i wanted to say that right off but um yeah geez i i think right right now i'm just we're just training up but we have nationals in a couple of weeks um which is down in Florida this year. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm i just love shooting and, and love competing and, uh, all of it. So.
0: So, so the, the, the nationals that you're going to, um, if I understood what Gaz said correctly, this is your first nationals. So you should have shot a That's bunch of area practice. matches looking at practice score, but this is your first nationals.
2: This is my first nationals match. And then I've shot, um, three area matches in the past which has been the same area and then just one state match um, which is like a level two Uh, and so I haven't I haven't been to many large competitions uh, a lot of local stuff and I I think this has been my my third pretty much third full season I I think second or third full season shooting
0: Um, that's relatively new I mean that's or, or new to USPSA? I, I assume that you were shooting before you started competing.
2: I was shooting for a little while before I started shooting, and um, that kind of whole kind of getting into USPS, USPSA is kind of a and getting into competition is is kind of a fun story where I I started shooting. Uh, I I don't know if you guys know um, primary and secondary, which is the origin mm-hmm. of of uh, the role on special, which is yep. uh, you well familiar
0: with Chuck praiseberg
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. So I um I think about a year before I before I started I shot my first match. Um I got all involved with that. So I got a Glock 17, which is not the original one, what you're supposed to build a Roland special with. Um, but anyway, I built a Roland special out of a Glock 17. So compensator, Magwell, an RMR on there. Um, and uh, got all set up with my appendix, you know, concealed carry rig um, and felt like, I was, I had figured everything out. So I knew everything, obviously. Um, and then, uh, I heard and started following a few people. So, uh, like we talked about earlier, Scott Jedlinski, um, from Modern Samurai Project and, um, Gabe White and watching all of Gabe White's videos of him shooting USPSA. And, so I, I knew about USBSA, but I just hadn't, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll do that sometime. Maybe I won't. But um, I had finally, I think I heard, I heard Arik Levy from the Fire Nation podcast on some other podcast. And he talked about Steve Anderson. Um, and he uh, talked about USBSA and it kind of was, it was talking about, you know, tactical guys go getting into competition. And, uh, I, they were saying like, you got to do it. You have to go and compete. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to go and compete. And so it seemed like I should listen to Steve Anderson because, um, I, that sounded like a good place to start him. He was a, he's a grandmaster, um, which I didn't know what that meant, but I, I think pretty early on, right after I heard that, I was like, whatever that is that's, I want to be a grandmaster. Um, and I'm going to do it from, uh, I'm going to just compete with my, with my concealed carry rig from appendix. Um, and so I started competing and I, I went and shot my first USPSA match with my carry gear. And so all of the range officers were like, where's your gun? Like, what are you? you're going to do that. they're like, okay, make ready, but I don't see your gun. Are you shooting PCC? What's happening? So, (laughs) um, and so from there, like from my, I think before I shot my first match, I, I was pretty heavy into listening to Steve's podcast and dry firing a ton. Um, and, and I was fully hooked before I even shot my first match. So, um, and it just kind of kept going from there. So, big into competing as much as I can, but, but also just dry firing as much as I could early on. Um, and that's how it all started.
0: So at, at what points did you decide to move away from shooting appendix and open and yes. uh, shoot carry optics?
2: Yeah. So um, there, yeah. So immediately in USPSA, if you're going to shoot with a red dot, um, and a magwell or a compensator, you're put into the open division. Actually, well, if you're going to carry the gun in front of your, in front of your hip bones, so um, from appendix, so you're immediately put into open or limited depending on that. So um, I did that for about nine months and uh, I, made, I made master pretty quickly shooting USPSA from, from doing that. Um, and at some point along there, um, there's, there's a factor with, with competing at a really high level from concealment that you run into kind of limiting factors where random things will happen. So if the wind blows in a certain way, it'll blow your cover garment and you get a, an inconsistent draw or an inconsistent reload. And so, at some point, I wasn't necessarily frustrated, but I was ready to just play the game in a very pure sense so i I switched over to carry optics in um in two thousand in the end of two thousand eighteen uh, so a couple um, so jay uh, if if I'm hearing you
3: right and and and, and I don't use this term disparity because I'm guilty of it as well. Do you come from from more of a sort of Timmy background than a than a gamer background? Are you you more a you start out as a more defensive guy, or
2: yeah, that was the original that was the original start, and really quickly as you, as I got into USPSA, it, there was a huge focus change on competing and what and what that is going to entail. So, but yeah, absolutely, I started out as like a as a Timmy. And, um, and not, yeah, no, I don't think it's disparaging, but you know, there's definitely like a separation there. And I saw that separation going from like, when I was only paying attention to tactical stuff and then seeing the competitive side. And, and I felt like there was a separation there. And, um, and I thought it was really cool. Like the people who were blending those two together and that's what I wanted to do.
0: Um, That makes sense.
2: yeah, I initially started competing to get better with my conceal carry gun. And then that quickly changed over to I'm going to get better at competing for the sake of competing. Hmm.
3: Yeah, so and, that's. I started and, shooting Ipsic with my USP 9, so I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I started shooting IPSC in standard, shooting a SIG P229 in 357 SIG uh, with like 14 round mags because that's all that you can find. Um, you know how you get wasted shooting, uh, standard, which is the equivalent of your limited or sort of the equivalent of your limited. Yes. When yes. you have 14 rounds in the gun and you have 200 power factor ammo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult for sure. <laughs> but it
0: was fun. Good learning experience. Um, i do it again. <laughs>
1: So, there's many things, only make that mistake with once corn, <laughs> which in his case, like? more than once. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Touche. I shot that gun yesterday. I love it still. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll leave it it's at a that. J- master in eight months, and then you're a grandmaster in in three seasons in competition. That's. I mean, that's that's quick. That's that's quite a a, a quick sort of rise in in performance. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. that, that there was a lot of Steve involved or Steve methodology
2: involved in that. There absolutely was. Um and and it was very, you know, it was 95% dry fire. Um so a very little live fire in that. So yeah, it was it was master in 7 months from from concealment and um and then it was another 11 months after that before I made grandmaster in uh, carry optics or yeah, in, in, in another division. So, um, but 100% it was, it was Steve Anderson's (laughs) first 12 drills. Um, and it was just doing those for, for five minutes each, you know, so that's about an hour a day, um, initially and, uh, very heavy on, on, on dry fire. And whenever I got out to live fire, it was, it was basically just making sure the gun worked and making sure I could hit the targets. Um, and there, there wasn't a lot more taken out of live fire for sure, but yeah, super heavy on dry fire. Um, all of Steve's stuff, uh, which is where, which was then it was really cool to meet Steve. Um, shortly after I had, I had, uh, switched to carry optics and made grandmaster. So, um, yeah, it was about a year after. I had switched to carry optics um, and I just made grandmaster. And then I, I got into a class with Steve um, and then we've, I've been in another class since then with him. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's, I enjoy this a lot.
1: (laughs) One thing to clarify is and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, you made master shooting the open division. And when you switched to carry optics, you basically had to start from zero again to get to grandmaster in carry optics so it's not like the master carries across all the divisions it's for that division
2: that's that's right so in yeah so as a master in open um as soon as i switched to carry optics um usually your first classification you're automatically a class in any other division um i made i made master right away with my initial classification classification in carry optics um and and hung out at Master for yeah ten months or so. Um, okay, before that, before Grandmaster. Hung out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's called
0: sandbagging in IDPA. <laughs> 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 uh, so, talking about your dry fire, um, uh, I've watched why? some videos. Sorry, T-Bag. I've watched some videos of you dry firing in. I guess it's your basement. It is my basement now, yes. You have an awesome setup down there. Um lots of space to move. I saw some swingers in there. Like there's, that's a that's a wicked setup to to have to be able to, uh, to dry
2: fire. Yes. It's, creepy it's door, the man. only reason for <laughs> It's the it's the only reason for building a house. You know, you have to you build a basement so you get a <laughs> space to dry fire. And whatever happens, about that secondary. And I
0: I like your thinking.
2: <laughs> um but yeah no i've got i've got a a, a a nice setup in comparison i know a lot of people don't have a, a lot of space and i don't i think you can get a ton done i mean most of my dry fire before that point was done in a very small space um but so it's been really nice to get moving now in dry fire and be able to and be able to expand that
1: yeah and when when you when you switched over or, or when, you, when you first got in contact with Steve, obviously you learned all of the different phases of practice and mental states that he speaks about. And I remember listening to the podcast where you and him spoke and you guys discovered that you had never competed outside of Steve Anderson's match mode or, or the processes with involved in that.
2: Yes. So before I shot my first match, um, I had been... I had a adop- I had adopted kind of my own version of match mode that is very similar to what it is now, um, and that's from from Steve, from listening to, to Steve's podcast. I hadn't talked to Steve until I had really just met him at the class a couple of years after that. But um, so I went to my first match with with only one job for my conscious mind, and I had an understanding of what my conscious mind was. What that what my conscious mind's job was when I was competing and what my subconscious was supposed to do. And, and, um, and so I, going to that match with the only goal of, of just leaving acceptable hits on all of the targets. Um, and, and that's, I think been, I mean, it, it is not by far the number one, um, the number one takeaway from any of this, because, like you and I have talked talked before about jazz is this like the skills, the technical skills are simple to get. Um, it's there's a process involved with getting those skills. Um, and it's the mental stuff that that can be confusing for people. Um, and I think the earlier on that that we can have an understanding, and I think that's all we need is an understanding of how of how our mind can work and how we can manage and how we can manage our minds throughout competition. Um, and that's what really makes me excited about why it's part of why competing is so, um, it's so fun because you get to challenge that part of your mind, um, yeah. and, and yourself in those situations.
1: Yeah. And I think the important thing with that is that the mental game is always growing and adapting. You're always learning new things and improving it. Whereas a lot of people think that the mental game or your mental abilities will be in a rigid state. In other words, they will be like that forever and that's the way they'll be. But you should be developing those because it's a skill and it's got a set of processes on its own for you to continue improving that.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I didn't like for an example on that, I didn't have an understanding really at all about what the self-image was until maybe a year ago. Um, and that just has been growing from there. So self-image meaning just basically who we are and what we think about ourselves and our habits and our attitudes, um, and how that will will literally put a a governor on yourself of what you're capable. of. Yeah. Um, and so to being being able to understand how we can grow that and expand that governor and that kind of limiter that we that we set um, has. Had a huge effect in in kind of the the subconscious skill that you can then get on demand. Yeah, and that's that's what we want is is all of the subconscious skill that we have on demand. Yes, that's real. That's where the good stuff is.
0: <laughs> so that's that's, that's that's quite a head start. I mean, I I remember my maybe not my first match, but my first couple of matches following that that sort of. Intro to the sport, uh, where I was literally just running Ricky Bobby. I was just like, "Everyone else is fast, I'm going to go fast." And the points on the lead. target the, yeah, the, the points on the target didn't matter to my mind. I mean, they mattered afterwards, so when you saw the score sheet and you're like, "Well, I'm not lost." yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. really. <laughs> So it's it not sinking in that that you know you can't do this you have to actually hit stuff i mean if it if it takes you half a second longer to hit it it's more valuable
3: than uh, than throwing lead you just lead make a note here might have to hit stuff ah yes <laughs> there we go write <laughs> <Right laughs> <a letter> that <laughs> down <laughs> that's why I shoot shotguns you can miss
2: that's great right. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: uh, and, and and so many people will will stay in that um stay in that approach for a long time where where they'll go to a match and just try to keep up with the other people that are going fast or going what they perceive to be fast and so and that's obviously really frustrating um and so yeah i, I Having that always be kind of a primary focus on refining and working on how you think in competition. And then obviously, that directly comes back to how we think when we when we live and go out through through our regular life um, outside of shooting.
1: So. Yeah, a lot of what we adjust for for competition, shooting and that sort of stuff along the lines of our mental well-being basically transfers into our personal lives and that and it adjusts our self-image in the same way in all areas of our life and not necessarily just competition all the time yes yes
0: so t-back i've interrupted you like three times now where were you going with that question that you haven't asked yet
3: uh, which which one? Which which of your interruptions? Corn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's start on the first one and go from there. <laughs> um, one of the questions, and and it, it's a it's a bit of a gear one because that's people are often interested in that sort of thing. Why why did you decide carry optics instead of sticking with open or shooting welfare or shooting limited or?
2: Um, yeah, I think that was because. Um, that was really, when I decided to make that switch that over here in, in the U S um, carry optics has kind of exploded in how popular it is at it is now. And when I, right when I started it, it would, there was a little bit of a glimpse or I saw that that was a division that, that a lot of people were going to be getting into. Um, so that was part of it, knowing that that division was going to grow, um, and then i think the more base de- you know decision that was made there was that i was shooting a glock in open um and i'm going to continue just shooting a glock um in carry optics so i already had you know i think a, a gen 4 mos and um i th- i think it, maybe i got a 34 right after that because we can use those in in carry optics and um and put a dot on it and i i could use the same grip that i was using when I was shooting open. And so it was, it was an easier switch to make there. Um, and I wanted to keep shooting a red dot and I did not want to have to deal with, um, with loading major power factor for open. Um, and I was, and I shot factory ammo for, uh, for a long time. Um, so I made, made Grandmaster shooting factory ammo. I didn't, I mean, I'm still not reloading yet either. Um, uh, but that's, we're, we're working on that. Okay. Yeah. Who's <laughs> got uh, the I Dylan? Mean,
0: yeah, I want to jump yeah. in here and remember what Eric said at the beginning before we started.
2: <laughs> <listening>?
0: Ignore that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. no, we've spoken quite a lot about the Dylan stuff. So we've got oh, yeah. Jay and his brother in, on the right path for them.
3: Dylans are awesome <laughs> if you look after them. <laughs> Dylans <laughs> are fantastic. You know, it's better than a Dylan factory ammo opening a box and going look there's bullets let me shoot these exactly <laughs>
0: that, that is really only approachable if you're in the uh, firearms trade
3: yeah even or america they they're not at the moment
0: no. uh, at the moment if you want to shoot over there i believe that uh, you you have to shoot cz's because they'll feed rocks and rocks are
1: everywhere <laughs> <laughs> So one of the the interesting things, Jay, is that when you changed over to carry optics, obviously you had all the choices and those sort of things and you've grown a lot since then. Now you and I are both competing very well with Glock pistols, but I wanted to ask your perspective on why you continue to use the Glocks and and that you haven't switched out to some sort of heavy CZ or one of the TANFOs or something like that. Because I believe that carry optics have increased their weight that the pistols are allowed now.
2: Yes, they have. They can be, um,
1: infinite weight. No, (laughs) I don't think anyone's actually
2: got them to the maximum weight that they can be. Um, but I, I, uh, have just stayed with Glocks because they, they seem really simple to me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm hesitant to make a switch. Um, you know under under the under current circumstances where I'm I already have glocks and I and I shoot them um, I think that I have an advantage with with gun handling with the glocks um, especially when they without a without a magwell and carry optics. so I think there's a lot of forgiveness in the the plastic kind of you can throw mags at the magwell pretty hard, and um, there's some forgiveness there. And with a lighter gun, I think you can you can draw them quicker and you can transition them quicker. Um, as far as recoil goes, I have I don't know I haven't shot any other guns, so I don't know. They all recoil. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, they, have,
0: they, have are, are, they all
2: recoil.
0: Having shots a lot of guns, some with uh, feisty ammo, shooting Gaz's 35s with his loads of ammo is awesome. It's, it's pleasant.
3: Um, it's just surprising like, with his 212 power factor. He,
0: <laughs> the last time I shot, I don't know which, Gaylord 1 or Gaylord 2, I don't know which one, uh, it was spectacular. I loved shooting it. Like, if I didn't own two edges... And I wasn't more interested in shooting like men's guns. I would buy two thirty fives.
3: I'll swap you. I'll swap you two thirty fives for your two edges, and I'll even throw in ten mags.
0: No, as I said, I'm, I, I like shooting men's guns. So <laughs> no,
1: but
3: you, you don't have you, you don't you don't have <laughs> Yeah, I can't
1: shoot
0: the I can't shoot the edges at the moment. Gaz has half the guns. <laughs> Like he doesn't have any of the registered parts. Controlled half. Yes, he doesn't have any registered parts, but he has both the grip modules and the main grip. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, wait until Gaz is finished with him, then I'll stop you for two thirty-fives. No thanks. We <laughs> got off
1: topic. Let's in. get <laughs> back. To- <laughs> okay, so so that's actually that's interesting thoughts because you've got much the same ideas and thoughts about why running the Glocks. Is advantageous in competition, where most people seem to—I wouldn't say bad mouth, but they tend to frown upon them or frown against them, or, or however you want to phrase it. So that's actually interesting to hear.
2: Yeah, I think a, a lot of people's complaint with them is the um, is the trigger, and I guess how that can how how the Glocks triggers are or their reputation, and um, and I. I think my solution to that has been just to not think about it very much and not mess around with it very much. Um, and, and I, I kind of not you know, not letting that be something that mentally holds, holds you back. And, and so hmm. they just, they, they work, you know, and, and I think that that has to they you ha- they have to be accurate enough and then they have, and they have to be 100% reliable. Um, and, and those are the things that, that matter the most. Mm. Um, which obviously, open yeah, they, they do those really well. They do those. Th- they do those things really well, and obviously, there's so many, so many guns that do that well. Um, and uh, but it's it's simple. It's simple to me for now, and and I'm happy with it for now. So mm.
3: I'm contractually obliged to strongly support your choice of Glock. <laughs> I think. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect sentence. Despite all the rubbish I talk about them, I do really ah. like them a lot. <laughs> I like them a lot.
3: And uh, just out of interest, Joe, what what dots are you running on the guns?
2: Um kind of in the same the same line. Um I started out when I was shooting open um with RMRs and then that's what I had, so I put that I put an RMR and a 34. And then as soon as the SRO came out, um, back in 2018, I think, or 18 or 19, maybe it was 19. Um, that's when I put the SROs on and, uh, and, and kind of along the same way, you know, if, yeah, maybe there are better optics out there, but it's, it's what I have on there right now. And, um, and they work and, uh, and so that's what I've liked with them. And so it's just a Glock, it's a Glock 34 with a, with an SRO, a on SRO. Um, and what
1: MOA are your
2: SROs? Those are the five, so they're the largest that I could, um, just, just in the sense of, uh, I don't think, I mean, we're not, we're not shooting things to the point where we would want necessarily one MOA or where I would want a one MOA um or at 2.5 or anything so you know it's it's what i'm it was it's what i was used to and so that's what i put on and that's what i like Good.
0: yeah that makes sense sros are spectacular optics
3: by the way so i'm, yeah. I'm getting a very like distinct it. sort of if if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of approach from <laughs> you jay
2: yes yeah <laughs> so that's why you have two you have two competition guns so that you can, you can put all of the breaking on one and then you can have a nice, a nice one for competing.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this- Jay and I have many of the same views in terms of practicality.
0: Okay. So yes. So we also so, shouldn't get Jay onto an episode talking about uh,
3: exotic guns that you love. As I was say, is, is Jay also a massive 300 blackout fan or something?
2: <laughs> no. So I- I, that was probably that was the hardest, the most difficult, less uh, difficult uh, podcast for me to listen to all the way through. But I did. I made it through. <laughs> Jay, Jay is a trooper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it was going on in the background? I was... <laughs> See, background noise. That,
0: that was a fun podcast to make. I'm sure it was horrible to listen to. <laughs> it wasn't too bad
2: it wasn't too bad
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can speak the truth here you don't have to hide
2: we're not going to kick you out (laughs) if you say that it was bad I'm not taking any chances I don't want to be kicked out
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean Pornay only listens to the podcast because he's got to edit it and Gaz and I just don't listen to the podcast so (laughs) you're ahead of the rest of us because you've actually listened to it (laughs) (laughs) fact
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so jay you're on your way to your uh to your first nationals um what do you know about that match round count how many hours are you traveling to get there how many days how many yeah, stages
2: so, so i they haven't released stages for it yet um usually there it's an 18 to 20 stage match um over three days um and that is a match that i am flying to Um, and so my brother and I, um, my brother who competes with me, Nick, um, him and I are flying down with another buddy of ours, uh, Saul, and we, uh, we're going to fly down and then shoot the match over the three days and, and come back. So that I think round count for that is around 450, 500 rounds. Okay. That's Uh, a, that's a pretty big match. It's a pretty big match. It's, um, it's the first, uh, the first multiple day match that I, uh, will be shooting. Um, and so where you're, you're, we're shooting in half day format. So, you know, we'll uh, shoot in the afternoon and then the next in the afternoon again, the following day. So, um, that can be really exciting. It'll be, a, I mean, there's, what's there are a few things better than going under the range and shooting all day. So, um, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, it'll be good.
3: Is that at Frostproof where the the world shoot was a couple of years ago?
2: That's correct. It's at Frostproof, and that's where the the last few nationals is, have been. I, I guess last year was a little different, but they always have the nationals there. Um, as far as as far as I know, and as far as I as long as I've been paying attention, yeah.
3: Okay. And you guys have so you, as I understand it, you guys have got multiple sort of nationals. So this will be like carry optics and something else. Um, but it, it's not all the divisions
2: yes so they had our um, single stack or plastic nationals earlier along with um, our limited 10 and revolver um, so they had those last month, and oh, no. They- <laughs> no no I, I I
0: strongly disapprove of limited 10 <laughs>
2: yeah well it's a division um so <laughs> 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 Um, but at, at the national level, at the, at the nationals, you get everybody who is, who is the best shooting it. And so, um, at the nationals, it's, it's, it's has all of the competition there. Um, and so this nationals, uh, in a couple of weeks will be production and carry optics together in their own match. And then I'm assuming they'll change the match slightly, change some targets around, change some stages, and then they will shoot uh, limited and open together. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, the following three days, uh, which I'm not staying for that because that is too long to be away from the family.
0: and so. <laughs> 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 uh, that's exciting. So uh, I'm glad that it's a, it's, a, it's a half day format or a, or a morning afternoon session format those really help on multi-day matches um yes uh, if you're shooting if you're shooting three full days that gets taxing um and depending on I, I don't know how your your matches are laid out uh but there have been some nationals here where uh some guys will shoot the majority of their points uh on the first day and then like your your entire essentially your nationals performance depends on how great you are on day one, not how well you are over the course of three days, which is kind of
2: right out of whack. And that makes sense. For, that makes sense for the, well, I mean, that doesn't make sense necessarily, but with you guys having all of the, the three, two, one format, mm. right. Um, and, and where this now most, everything is going to be, you know, 20 to 32 round courses, um, oh. that is, that is what it has been in the past. Um, and, and so you'll have a lot, this is my assumption that you'll have a lot of points every day shooting, um, of points available.
0: Especially if the, uh, if, if they're like, like I said, 20 to 32 round stages, that's, those are pretty, Those big.
3: Yeah. That's
1: big points per se. They're stage.
3: big. They're big. Yeah. As I understand it, those, as a rule, that guys- Generally only shoot short stages on classifiers is everything else generally a pretty big stage as I understand it
2: that seems to be the trend um, I think we're now starting to get to where classifiers some of the new classifiers that are being shot are shorter courses with with movement involved um, where you'll have you know three or four different positions but maybe it's only you know twelve or four um, hmm which is exciting to see the sport going in that direction for us. And so I think we're starting to see a change, but absolutely in the past, it's people want to go to a match and they want to shoot as many rounds as possible, which, which I don't understand. I really appreciate the shorter courses with movement and, uh, and all of that. But, um, I think we're starting to head in that direction. I, I hope so.
3: Hey, a few more years, you guys might even shoot IPSC. <laughs> And then I, don't know, let's, <laughs> I don't need to give up that steady
0: Sorry, <laughs>
3: <laughs> sorry. I won't even make any jokes about the metric system. Yeah, please
1: don't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what sort of prep are you doing for? Uh, have you made changes to your preparation for for the nationals? Are you? are you kind of treating it like any other match in bunny years or or have you made changes to how you're prepping for it?
2: Yeah. So my, my approach always from the beginning has been um, very consistent, consistent training that, that just always goes and focuses on places that, that I identify at as, as needing to be improved um while maintaining other skills that that i already have and so as far as the preparation goes all it is is going to be um increasing the amount of live fire that that i'm that i'm doing and and becoming a lot more comfortable comfortable on what we were talking about before which well before we started recording by shooting partial targets um and having those targets be be so normal that, that subconsciously we can shoot them at the, you know, we don't have to be afraid of them and, um, and anything like that. So my, my training has been consistent, like it always has. Uh, and there's been a lot of just mental preparations going into that as well. So preparing of what kind of presetting what I'm going to feel like at that match and, and, uh, deciding how to respond, to events that are out of my control and, um, and prepare myself to have a really consistent mental performance, which always results in a consistent technical performance. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that I'm working on. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I'm always working on. If that is the question, <laughs> well,
0: that's, it does. that's that. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix the thing again. Because I mean, <laughs> It's really worked for you so far. Why would you change that?
2: Yeah. I, I really like simple, simple processes that, that are proven to work. And, um, and that seems, seems to be good. And I know Gaz guys likes the same, same kind of stuff. And, uh, and it seems to work. <laughs> so um, it's, it's great. Uh, uh, that's all I have to say about it pretty much. <laughs> <That's good. laughs>
1: so uh, so what would, what's your typical routine look like? I know from us discussing your ammo and primer shortage uh, over in the States at the moment has caused a little bit of a damper on your typical live fire routine. But what does your typical routine look like with both live and dry fire? How much are you doing and, and how often and for what length of time are you doing it? So, um,
2: for, for now, what, what it has been is, um, dry firing every, every morning. Um, I've been now taking actually a day off per week so that I can have a, have a day to recover in that sense, um, kind of mentally and, and, and physically along there as well. So there's, there's dry firing every day in the morning, um, so that it's, so that it's done. Um, there are opportunities that come up where I can dry fire, um, in the evening as well. And so that obviously goes in and, um, those sessions are usually between the 30 to 45 minute realm, um, for dry fire and then live fire, um, which you and I have, uh, you guys and I have talked for many, many hours and um, messaged back and forth a lot, um, <laughs> but uh, live fire has. Um, I go out and shoot very, very limited round count sessions um, because I, I have the ability to go out and leave things set up um, <laughs> on ranges that I have close to me, um, and so I'll leave things set up and I'll go out and maybe shoot. Maybe it's only you know twenty rounds, maybe twenty five rounds. Um, and then go out the next day and do the same thing. Maybe there'll be a couple couple sessions that I'll go out and shoot a hundred rounds, but but it's rare that I'll go out and spend any any more than you know thirty or forty minutes on the range. Um, but it's it's consistent live fire, so that that is a normal occurrence for for me to see the dot lift um, and to to watch that lift off of off of different targets, and so that just really consistent training um, to really normalize what it is to handle the gun and then normalize what it is like to to have the gun being gun going off. Mm. Um, And so that's kind of what it looks like. So live fire, you know, two or three times a week um, and then it'll be more than that ramping up to any kind of competition. Um, And so that's, that's,
1: Yeah. And ramping up to the competitions, you're going to increase the the frequency of your sessions. In other words, you'll have instead of two to three sessions a week, you might have four to five sessions as opposed to bumping up and increasing round counts. Is that what you mean?
2: That's exactly what I mean. So the round counts usually going to stay around that, you know, 25 to 100 rounds, but the frequency per day. And so there has also been days where I'll live fire twice a day. So it'll be in, you know, sometime in the morning and then a window, really quick window in the afternoon. Maybe it's just shooting groups. Kind of things like that. Um, and then that also as ramping closer to a competition where um, I p- will we'll practice competing and practice what it's like to compete. Um, so that's that's not repeating the same drill over and over again. Um, always changing something, always you know changing start positions, target orders, um, everything that, that gets thrown into that. And um, and practicing what it is like to compete, and actually putting that kind of that mental set on yourself of of the, there that you are competing when I'm practicing, so that there are people watching, um, and and that it that it matters that your score matters, and so that means that means uh, having fill in shots and and whatever is necessary based purely off of vision, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to go. And break new records for yourself or, um, or try new things you've never tried before.
1: Yeah, so there's that separation in practicing skill sets or learning subconscious skill or improving those versus practicing competing. There's quite a, a difference there. And in that environment where you're practicing to compete... You're probably going to increase visualization during that session before you shoot the stage. You might even give yourself a walkthrough or two to determine a good stage strategy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there, you're going to be strictly practicing to compete. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and then any any other
2: time where there's not a competition coming up, which which I don't shoot a lot of competitions, so. Um, like we've talked about, you know, club matches for me are, are a little further away. And, um, so any other time that I'm not preparing to shoot a competition soon, I will be, um, kind of in that, in that realm of developing skills. And so really shooting where I want to be, not where I, where I am. And so that means making mistakes and learning And and that's really where I have a lot of fun kind of going out and and seeing where uh, seeing what happens when I when I when I try to do something a little faster or um, or try to run a little harder here or have the gun up a little sooner or or leave a little sooner on targets that maybe beforehand I wouldn't be able to leave on or like pick up a foot on. Um, And so pushing the limits is where where we, where we develop. And learn. that's, that's kind of where I really like to be. Um, and that's where I have a lot of fun for sure.
0: <laughs> so that's massively interesting. I mean, one that is, um, fairly low round count per session. Um, yeah. because obviously you're, you're doing it more frequently than, uh, than some other people are able to, but that's 25 rounds is a really small live fire session to me. Yes. Um, it's so w- when you do 25 rounds, is that just groups or are you doing so, like one reload one or something to that effect? Or
2: so I think my, the example on that, it would be where, um, so even like 18 rounds. So that's, that's uh, that would be three build drills uh, for example. Uh, so that would be, Going out, maybe I already have a target stand there. So I I throw up a target and, uh, shoot three different build drills at three different distances with a specific goal in mind ahead of time. So for example, trying to get a certain time. So saying specifying a time that I'm going to shoot each bill drill in and, and getting that time. So obviously I don't care about what the target looks like. I'm going to get the time. And once I'm done with that session, then I'm going to the target off and I'm going and I, and I think for my circumstance, I have the ability to do that because of where I work. And so I can, I can have places where I can have targets set up already and swing by and shoot and then, and, and then head out. And so that's why it works well for me. Um, and, and it just normalizes the live fire
3: yeah i
0: i I don't think that anyone can dispute that you've had massive success doing that uh it's it's just interesting to hear uh that you'll when you don't have to go to the range as you said you you go to a place you've got already set up uh, but over here I think most people unless they they're living the farm life and they they have a place to set stuff up uh they're looking at like a half an hour drive to get to the range they'll have to set up um so most people. I know will, will not consider going unless they're shooting like two to 300 rounds. Um, yes, that's, that is massively interesting. I, 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 I like the idea of doing it more frequently, but for lower round counts, it's say it's not really practical for us, but, uh, yes. it, it, it makes sense.
2: And I think it, it helps be to be really disciplined with, um, what your, what your focus is for that short session. Um, and so during those times where maybe I'm at the range for five minutes, I'm, I'm extremely focused on exactly why I'm there and what I'm doing. Um, and, and then that can translate into when you, you know, you get good at that, then you can translate that into larger, larger sessions where you are shooting two or 300 rounds. Um, but, but defining ahead of time before I even go of exactly what I'm going to do and why I'm going to do it. Um, and I think that that again is one of the things that comes back to life on what am I what am I doing right now and why am I doing it um, and and being one hundred percent there, which is something that that Gaz has helped me with quite a bit. Is you know when you are there, what are you doing, um, and be be one hundred percent focused on what you are doing at at a given moment, um, and that that's huge, absolutely.
1: And maybe something to touch on there is there's two different balances. So you're in a position where you can drive fire much, much more regularly than what most other people can. Um, like when said people have, drive to, have to drive to the range, they've got to set up, they've got to break down, etc. So they'll have less frequent higher round count sessions. But for you, with you having such small round count sessions, it's probably incredibly important for you to have that defined goal before you go to that session, where someone who's doing 200 or 300 rounds twice a week, he's got a bit of breathing room where if he does go to the range slightly unprepared, he can literally waste 100 rounds and still recover the session by learning that halfway through the session. And I've caught myself doing that before. Where you get halfway through the session, you're getting a bit frustrated, you're not sure what you're doing or why you're there, and you can adjust because you've still got that ammo left in that session to fix it. Whereas with you, that round count's so low, there is no ammo to fix it if yes. you haven't gone there with a proper plan.
2: And and that's absolutely to say, like that doesn't mean that I haven't gone to the range. And and so that's been something that I've learned with short sessions where I'll go, you know, in the past have gone and and shot and left without any more to shoot. And 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 with a feeling of that I, I didn't accomplish what I what I meant meant to when I went. And so that was a huge lesson that um that the solution is so so simple, um, but it takes it takes discipline to to go and say to, to trust yourself with exactly what you're going to do. Um, but yeah, that, that makes perfect sense what you're saying.
3: Yep. And, uh, it's also the, almost like every, every range, all of those range sessions for you, every range session is almost like stage one of a match. Yes. Um, you, you've, you, you can't kind of, oh, well, I'll, I'll make it up just now. Uh, it, it's now and ever sort of thing, which is interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think um, kind of connecting that back to competition is like, I know that I shoot better Um, at competition in competition than I do in, in practice. Um, And I think that has been developed through, through that kind of, you know, when I go and shoot that, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But also, yeah, the, the kind of pressure from competition just enhances what we have. And if we allow it to enhance the proper, the proper bits, then we, then we get a better result than we ever could in training than we ever could have possible in training. Um, and I think that's, that's a place that anyone can be at. Um, but I think that that, that requires an absolute focus on, on the mental game and on the mental side and understanding, uh, understanding kind of what we talked about before with the self image and, and trust, trusting yourself and your abilities. Um,
0: so just just to touch on what Tarek said, with the uh, everything's like a like a first stage for you, you're literally testing on demand performance every time you go to the range for that that small session. Yes, like I said, you you've got nothing to make it up with. Uh, you've got to make that count. Um, so you're always shooting to your on demand level. That, that I really like that concept. Uh, it's it's an interesting take and it's different to uh, to the norm that I'm used to.
2: Yeah, no, and I hadn't thought about it in that sense of it being an on demand, um, uh, kind of example before. So that's kind of cool to think about it that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause you, you're, you're not getting to warm up with hundred rounds. Like, like a lot of us do where I'm going to shoot some, some bullseye and then I'm going to shoot some ball drills. And then I'm going to get into doing some actual drills. I mean, by that stage, you're, you're 150 rounds into a session and you're, you're warm by the time you start doing skills.
2: Um, right. Right. Yeah. Which, which can help, it can help to be in a sense in a, you can definitely learn in, or have, you have the potential to learn more maybe as you are warmed up because you can start to push limits more. Um, uh, and so that's, I mean, both, I think both ways are going to be work really well for people. And I think it's just whatever, whatever the opportunity that people have, that's going to be, Take advantage of it, and and know that it's the best that you have, and it's and and that's going to be the best that it's the best thing that you can be doing, um, and that's that's where I like it quite a bit.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic insight.
3: That is awesome. And then, Jay, out of interest, on on your dry fire, do you? Is, is there kind of like an average week of dry fire in the life of Beal, or does that change up depending on uh, where you are at, at
2: any one time? It it changes quite a bit. So I'm always, the, the cer- there's certain things that I'm always doing. Um, so I'm always doing some type of draw and then I'm always doing um, some type of, of reload. So either breaking down the reload or, or doing some variation like that. So I'm always doing a draw. I'm always doing a reload. Now both of those things take place in a lot of different forms. Um, so you know, with with a mo- with movement between them um, and all that. But everything else is is almost constantly changing and cycling through um, and kind of finding all of the different variations that that different tasks can be done um, because there is so much that can be done in dry fire. I mean. I don't know what a percentage would be, but, you know, 90%, 95% can be done in dry fire. You know, so much of shooting is non-shooting. And so there's a lot of odd things that will, that I'll do, you know, with different start positions and um, different movement. And I I never get bored in dry fire because there's always something different to do um, or something to work on that, that was identified in a previous match or a previous training session um if that i don't know if that answers at all Mm. kind of what was you what you were asking but
1: yeah uh, Yeah, dry fire and the environment around dry fire is continually adapting it's always growing it's always changing there's new things to do
3: Uh, Um, and related to that and it's, it's something i've actually um Discussed with Gaz, and and I think a lot of people will find it interesting, especially after the lockdown we had here, where we didn't have matches for six months at all. How how do you how do you maintain sort of discipline and and motivation to keep practice or, or to keep on top of things if you're not shooting regular matches? Because that's something we've had people ask us a couple of times. You know, it's it's if you don't have a match or two in the month to look forward to how are you how are you keeping yourself motivated to not just stay in bed a little bit longer or um
2: yeah and i think well that has there's there's a couple different things there which are really cool to talk about because um it's it has to be it's a mental it's a mental state where um you have a goal or kind of a, an end state that you want to be in that always drives you to go and practice no matter what. And so, um, the part there that that comes to me is that I, I enjoy training. I enjoy practice. Um, I'm not going to say more than I enjoy competing, but I will always enjoy practice in that process of, Finding something that I can't do, and then and then figuring out a way how uh, of how to do it, and so really, really liking that pro- that process helps so much. Um, and then back to the the goal of of what what you are motivated by, and and being able to always kind of have that in the back of your mind of, of why am I doing this? Well, it is to become excellent at at this to achieve this or attain this certain aspect. Um, and I think it it has to be different for different people because training, you know, all the time isn't for everyone necessarily. I think that, that it depends so much on, on what your goals are or what your level of participation is within the sport. Um, I don't know if that answers it, but it's in the mind. It's in where, where you want to go and, and what you enjoy doing. So I enjoy the, I enjoy the process of, of practice of training so much that it is uncomfortable to not partake in that process. If that makes sense. Um, That makes sense. It's, it's very uncomfortable to, to not continually be learning. Um, I, I don't like that that the way that that makes me feel <laughs> so i always learning and always developing things um, is where i like to to be
0: so i i have two questions uh and i'll, I'll start with the first one that is more closely related to a uh, to terry's question um so outside of 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 dry fire and live fire uh what does your fitness program look like are you I mean, I I know that you 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 manage a farm, and I'm sure that there is a a lot of uh, physical work involved that that probably keeps you strong and fit. But are you doing anything specific to improve that st- stuff outside of just work? Or uh...
2: yeah, so there, sorry, no problem. Um, there are a couple things. So I've always <laughs> I've always done. Um is so that whenever I do any kind of activity, whether it's shooting, like running around, or even you know, farm work, where my goal is to when I'm done with a task, that I won't be sore the next day. So there's a couple things for that. So I'm always doing I'm alternating days on doing, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Chad Riley, those arm exercises to prevent tendinopathy, tendinitis. And so that those are always getting alternated, alternated through every other day. So that prevents injury on my end. And then um, a sense of getting stronger and more explosive. So that means doing squats and um, lunges and different things like that to strengthen kind of legs and explosive movement and and those are things that i just do consistently and they're they're really quick sessions um so you know it it takes five minutes to do the arm exercises to prevent uh developing tendonitis and it takes five minutes to do like 100 squats or whatever and prevent yourself from getting sore the next day and also get stronger so that's kind of what i'm doing and that stuff is is also every day um alternating back and forth.
0: Perfect. That makes sense. That's a that's a really good way of doing it. Um, short bursts that that improve stuff as opposed to, uh, like you said, you don't want to be sore the next day. Um,
3: exactly. Then, Never then sore then the next day. Then you're out I mean, of it for three days because you can't move. I mean, I mean, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Jay that you're not you, you haven't turned forty yet. I have not, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> After you're 40, you're gonna be sore the next day, no matter what, so.
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll delay that. will delay it as long as possible.
0: <laughs> uh, and then my, my second question, this one might be a little bit more difficult to, uh, to answer, especially because you haven't shot uh, multi-day matches yet. Uh, but how do you manage uh, match days? So uh, a lot of guys will get up in the morning and they'll do some dry fire before they head off to the range. They'll do some stretching at the range before they actually get into it. Um, I, I know lots of guys will select specific snacks and things to keep energy up through the day. And they'll, they'll stick to the lighthearted chit-chat throughout the match as opposed to getting involved in anything that's a little bit more uh, mentally taxing. Is there anything specific that you do to keep mentally at, at, the, at the peak of your game throughout a match?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the, what I do is just, it's the same thing every time. Um, and so I, I preset ahead of time how I'm going to think at a match and I can, and, and I control that through, through my, my mental process. Um, as far as routines go, physical routines, um, that's, that's kind of the same thing you're talking about. I'm making sure that I have stuff to snack on throughout the day. um, I do really, really brief dry fire kind of the the morning of competition and then um a mental preset of why I'm going to the match um and so I'm always going to any competition to run my mental program my mental process to 100% um and so that means so there's there's tasks throughout that mental process that that whenever I'm competing I always have a job to do um, so my, I always have something to do or something to think about. Um, and then obviously there's the things like I, I always joke about with a couple of people, we shoot with that that I'm going to go to the match and I'm actually going to have more fun than they do that day. So I'm, <laughs> I'm the one having more fun than anybody else on the range. Um, so that's important. That's, I'm, it's important to me to do that. Um, And, and I think it's contagious as well. If you're having fun, the rest of the people on your squad are having fun and everybody's having, enjoying the process of shooting a match. And I think maintaining that kind of not necessarily lighthearted, but I guess that would be the way to put it uh, where you're having a good time while maintaining a mental process that's consistent. So I think if that answers it, I think it's way more simple than it has been, than, than people need to think about it. You know, it's a, it's a simple thing, but simple doesn't mean easy.
0: Exactly. It, it is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Um, the reason I asked- I mean, that I'm quite know, simple, but yeah. I'm not particularly easy. No, rubbish wow. you are very easy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not speaking from experience here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the reason I asked that is uh I occasionally see people who have difficulties dragging themselves out of bed on match day um so they're sluggish when they get there or uh they're having big issues with nerves uh, especially on their first stage so they, they uh-huh. being being nervous can enhance performance, but for many people it's it's a downfall where they are so nervous that they end up uh ruining a stage because they're not able to. To, to manage that stress that it causes
2: yeah there's a there's a specific window of of nerves that you want to be in and so there's a like lanny lanny basham talks about that level um, each sport requires a different uh level of um i forget what the word he uses but there's there's a certain spot that you want to be in. So you have to know how to either if you're, if you're above that threshold, how to bring yourself into the proper window. And so I do that through, through breathing and that's something I've I've done more recently. So if I find that I'm above, I have a specific thing that I do with breathing to bring me back down to where I need to be. And if I'm below then I think my my way to bring myself back up is to is to start having more fun. So that's joking around with people that's having a good time. And that brings that level back up. And, um, and if you're in control of that for yourself, then you're also helping other people manage that throughout the day as well. Um, so specifically with the breathing, um, I think it's just it's just being aware of, of your breath and going all the way out with your breath and holding and then coming all the way back in and holding and, and kind of repeating that until that's what works for me. And I think different people are going to find different things that work really well for them. But you have to be able to be aware that you're above your mental threshold and, and bring yourself back to where you need to be. And you have to be aware when you're below. And so awareness is kind of where it's really simple to be aware, but. There, you have to practice being aware in your everyday life as well as shooting to know where that threshold is.
0: Yep. It's, a, it's exactly like seeing the uh, dot lift or seeing the sights lift. Um, yes. Until you've seen it and you're aware of it, you don't know what people are talking about. But once you're able to identify what's happening, uh, it's, it gets harder to miss because your, your mind's going, hey, something's wrong here. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasant change when...
3: Yes,
2: you're yes. Yes, and that would, be the, that would be the zone, which is where we all want to compete in. And um, yeah, that's a, a beautiful place to be.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I
3: was uh, sort of tangentially related, but it's it's quite interesting. Uh, in one of Mike Seeklander's recent podcasts, he interviewed Rob Latham about his uh, single-stack mm-hmm. nationals win. And it was very surprising to hear that Sort of one of the greatest shooters, practical shooting has ever seen, still gets nervous at matches. Uh, yeah, you know we we kind of think that you're going to reach the stage where you're going to be a bit more calm, and, and he made the point as well that it's it's never going to happen, and he kind of doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. Uh and that that was That's fascinating, right. and, and quite closely relates to what you said—not sort of totally useless, panic-stricken, but. He's not walking onto the match going, well, I'm, I'm TGO and I'm going to do this thing.
0: Uh, so yes. that, that if,
3: cool. if the outcome
0: matters, there, there should be something that sort of lifts your heart rate at least a little bit um, because you care about it. Yeah,
2: And, and that absolutely can be used. Yeah, we said it earlier that, um, that it, it enhances your awareness and, it, and pressure enhances your awareness and it enhances your focus or your vision. Um, and knowing that you have the ability to use that to your advantage, um, just knowing it is, is well above what, what other people would kind of think of pressure being bad or like my, my heart rate is going up a little bit. That's bad. And, and that's, that's not the case. It's a good thing. Um, it means that you care, um, and, and knowing how to manage it. Like we were just saying, yeah, that's, and everybody should go listen to that interview that Mike Speaklander did on, uh. With Rob on the what is that the American Warrior American
3: Society Warrior project. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've but I've that I've, one I sent to you to listen to, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm partially it. through it.
0: I, I haven't <laughs> finished it yet, but I'll probably be done with it tomorrow. <laughs> um,
2: my my final thoughts would be just to to take take care to understand how to think um, and understand your mental game when competing and when when not competing. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing for for anybody to take away. And that's the biggest reminder for myself to continue going forward with that being kind of the primary focus of taking care of what we think about and, and being aware of how we think and and that can help us so much to get to get all of this stuff out and to be able to get our subconscious skill in competition but also to get the best uh the best version of ourselves in our everyday life and so that's that's why i wanted those are my closing thoughts
3: <laughs> and that and is <laughs> Jay, Jay from, from, from our side, we really want to just say thank you for for spending your time with us. We, we appreciate that you've taken time out of a day, busy day to, to chat with to us. Um, we really would like to extend the invitation that that you come chat to us again when uh, you've forgotten how, how dull this was. Uh, and okay. uh, you, you're always welcome on the show. We really appreciate you spending time with us. Um, and if we don't chat to you before then, really good luck for the Nationals, uh, and do what you know how to do. Thank you guys, it's been an honor.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for coming on the show, Jay. It's actually an absolute honor to have you on the show. Um, Obviously, if you are enjoying our content, and we hope that you are, because we're getting a lot of tremendous support from everybody, um, please drop a like, subscribe, and obviously, as always, a minimum of five stars is required to get into the club. (laughs) Until then, stay safe and we'll see you guys soon. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Later, losers.